0: Hey guys, thanks for checking out this episode of Clinically Pressed. We have a special guest in Harrison Pollock. I uh, just wanted to give you a heads up on this one. We referenced it a little bit in the episode, but Harrison was on to a new business venture, but it wasn't quite ready at the time. But we did want to uh, throw a shout out to Uptown Cycle in the north side of Lacrosse, which is getting ready to launch here soon. So please go ahead and check that out on their Facebook page or on Instagram, which we'll have all linked up in the show notes. Uh, This is a great episode, a lot of very good insight. We hope you enjoy. kick off in? Uh, no, we'll start with um, this episode of Clinically Press. We have Harrison Pollock. Yeah. That that's right. That's okay. Right. Uh, he is a personal trainer in the lacrosse area of well, the whole Kooli region. Uh, we're here today to talk about some of his ideas and how he looks at his business and exercise and life. and Yeah. So we'll start with that. The background of kinda how you got to where you are and the story.
1: All right. So... As Joel had mentioned, I am a personal trainer here in town, but that was not the original intent of my pursuit. So I had gone through my undergraduate um, undergraduate degree in kinesiology with a minor in nutrition, with the intent to pursue physical therapy. So I had I had got all the way up to you know my between my junior and my senior year, I had you know I had an opportunity to work in an inpatient physical therapy setting uh, here in La Cross, where I got to kind of see the operations of a, a more of a nursing home, you know, facility so inpatient physical therapy um, and um, also doing some outpatient, at, it's called Sport and Spine in Winona, so I got to see both entities of, of, of physical therapy and, you know, to keep a long story short, I found as though that the application of physical therapy to me was too reactive. You know, I only saw a physical therapist growing up when I was hurt. I only went to the doctor when I was hurt, and so, you know, the idea of, you know, you know, healthcare being more of a disease care, you know, opportunity. You know, for me, I wanted to take preventative actions, and knowing that, you know, what exercise and everything has done for me, as far as you know, educating myself as to, you know, you know, strengthening certain things to prevent myself from getting injured. You know, when I worked in a nursing home, especially, it was, you know, 80-year-olds. You know, you had to drag them to physical therapy. It's not like they had any willingness to go down there. So to somehow instill, you know, lifestyle change earlier on in life is is eventually, you know, it was my Dedication to physical therapy that ultimately deterred myself from physical therapy. So I I steered away from that um, as soon as I graduated and got my certified personal trainer, which, you know, you don't carry a lot of weight as a freshly graduated, you know, you know, uh, personal trainer with a certification, you know what I mean? So um, it was my goal to kind of set out and make sure that there's, you know, a different name for a personal trainer. So I just became a sponge and started, you know, and I came back to the cross because this is the community I grew up in. My mom and dad both, you know, have worked here. My mom is a personal trainer, my mom is a physical therapist, my mom is a yoga therapist, my mom's a yoga trainer, she's a she's done everything in exercise and so you know, you know, chip off the old block, as they say, is you know, I and my dad was a is now a retired health teacher. Um, so, you know, I ended up in the, in the realm of health, you know, by trade of my parents. So, surrounded by it. Surrounded by it, exactly. And, I, you know, in sports and stuff growing up, I mean, I broke 10 bones before the age of 18, so I was in and out of physical therapy and stuff like that, so I was just a fragile young kid. But, I mean, <laughs> but it made me appreciate the idea of preventing an injury even more, so. But that's kind of where I stand right now, so.
2: Awesome. I like the idea of that. It seems like you can have a more broad-reaching effect. It, you know, uh, Early, early end of it rather than later on just one at a time
1: or something. And that's how I view it is every person who comes to me, you know, whether they're, you know, I've got a 15-year-old soccer player that is, you know, recovering from a navicular fracture, you know, we're going through the protocol to like to make sure that he's back and up and running, he can go back to the playing field, but I've also got, you know, 60-year-old, a 68-year-old woman who just wants to, you know, protect her longevity. So I mean, seeing both ends of that spectrum, you know, in an ACLs and ACLs and ACLs and ACL to a certain extent. And so for me I wanted to you know, getting that, that interest across the board is what you know what kind of intrigues me, because I get both I get athletes and then I get people, who, you know, the common person who just wants to move better on a day to day basis. So we say I want to be there
2: though, as opposed to having to get exactly. drug there too. exactly.
1: And I was I was literally a rehab technician. I, I did chair transfers and transported people kicking and screaming to down to therapy, so yeah
0: I've got on our athletic training staff quite a bit on that. We cover all these spectrums, and prevention is supposedly one of our domains, but we don't do a whole lot with it. Yeah. You're not going to fight with the PTs for rehab because you're not going to win. Yeah. yeah. And then with chiropractic and have some of them, some not all, going into kind of some of that realm, but you know, strength and conditioning, besides personal trainers, could really be that floodgate of controlling who gets you know, the prevention side Amen. of it. And yeah. a lot of them don't see that, especially in my setting in college. The whole goal of the strength and conditioning coach is bigger, faster, stronger, and as short a time possible. It's like you're missing so many chances to not have them come downstairs because of what you do upstairs. And that's been a big phase shift we've had in the last couple of years. What oh, last system. year, yeah, oh absolutely, it's we were already just looking back at hip flexor and hamstring data, and we dropped our injury rate by 65%, and we focused on just basic things, yeah. and it made a huge difference. Study coming soon. Study coming soon. Research coming soon. Yep, now, right? we, got, we got a lot of things to go through first before we get that one set, but yes, that will be the plan. But yeah, I think that's to have that foresight, and we talked off the camera, but Tim Ferris being the smart guy that he yeah. is, yeah. I know he's waiting for the health system to break and whoever could oh, be ahead of that curve. We've yeah. talked about it multiple times.
1: Well, one thing, like, you know, it was brought to in a, in a, I can't remember what a podcast it is, but, like, if you go to the doctor with a, you know, resting blood glucose, and you read 124, there's nothing the doctor can do for you until you hit 125. The ICD-10 code coding for like you know blood, blood glucose until you hit 125, they can do nothing but besides make a mentioning as to maybe you should exercise more, maybe you should eat a little healthier. You know what are they gonna do in their in their 15 minute time window to recommend to you right. everything that you should be doing to lower your resting blood glucose? But until you hit 125, they can do nothing for you. So it's just, just a harsh cutoff before the ICD-10 code kicks in and your ability to you know be assisted is is warranted, so.
2: And it's just left at that, too. It's it's uh, very broad to say exercise more and eat better. Like, yeah. what does that mean? People Even need that specificity. Yeah. Well, then you hit
0: 125 and it's, here's a pill. Yeah, yeah. yeah. exactly. This will fix you. <laughs> this will fix, fix you. Yeah. yeah, It's a nice little thing in terms of the situation. <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah. That's, Absolutely. That's, do you feel like the perception is changing for the better overall with people wanting to be more preventative or
1: well for, for me, you know, anytime that something, you know anytime anyone comes to me and they have you know I already know that they made that initial step. And so when they come to me, I, I know that they want to make changes in their life. And so, you know, being able to articulate, you know, and I think that's one of the questions you have on here is you know, what at one point is someone ready to hear this? You know, there's there it takes a certain level of readiness to kinda of say, you know, you know, the idea of losing weight Will be. A, you have to, you know, take that out of their, you know, their forefront of their mind and kind of tone them back a little bit and talk about more lifestyle change. So I think that, the, you know, it's, it's undergoing change. And so my biggest, you know, market is the referrals that I get based on people who have experienced the type of training that I, you know, instill upon people, which is, you know, real I mean, I you know, in truth, you know, periodization in, in my training is you know, I don't even I don't, I don't train athletes, so periodization isn't even a thing that I technically apply to most of my clients. Um, so, but once they start to feel the changes and see the see differences, I, they're becoming more stuff. And I have people coming to my presentations and whatnot talking about you know more nutritional application and you know, you know, and speaking of the word longevity more so than, than just you know weight loss and then and then and then cutting it off. So, so that's good.
0: I know we talked about some, like, the, we talked about training versus working out. We get into the talking one on a broad scale, but I thought you had an interesting point of, like, you don't use periodization, but my guess is you're also not the workout guy where you have to leave sore in order to feel like something's gotten done. So I kind of had, had two questions. I want that, how you've gone about, you know, getting that to people and them to understand that and getting to buy in. But then kind of on the second thing, like, you interview the client almost to see if they're a fit for what you do Does
1: that like ha- that so usually happens people? in conversation okay and you know I've had people you know I've had people leave you know sign up for training with me and upon you know uh, upon, after initiating training and stuff like that they'll 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 see how I approach things they don't like it they don't feel like it's fast enough Right and they don't feel like anything's happening fast enough. When we're taking like, if you don't have good T-spine extension, you can't maintain a neutral spine through a motion, then we're gonna have to go way back before we can even like go into a squat. And, you know, they have the idea of what, exercise, you know, they come in with a preconceived notion of what exercise represents. And so, to me, fitness and exercise is a, is a kind of a diluted moniker as to what, you know, and each person has a different definition as, as to what that represents. And so, it's, it's my job to help them define what it is. And like I said, there's a lot of people that come to me that, have you know, there's a better fit elsewhere. If you want to get your butt kicked and, you know, and not have any regard to your you know, joints and musculature, then there are other places here, and I'm sorry that we couldn't make this happen. You know what I mean, and so and so all my clients know that this is my protocol, and that you know might not be happening as fast, but you know to you know know, really respect the process and know that the steps we're taking is going to help you in the long run. That's kind of you know they know that that is you know my intentions are pure in that in that regard. So so and and like I said, it does take a certain level of readiness, but like you know the ability to apply. You know I try to educate my clients. You know I want to say. In this motion, you are working this muscle. I want you to seek that muscle out. If you could, you if you, it would ignite red upon activation, I want you to turn it the brightest color red <laughs> that you've ever done before and just fire it and but be able to feel it, you know what I mean? No, so, sure. so and so I want them to, you know, so I use uh, it's called Essential uh, Anatomy, um, five by 3D4 Medical, uh, it's on an iPad. And so oh. you, can highlight a, you can highlight a muscle and yeah. it's actions and yeah. you can point to it and kind of showcase them where that muscle represents in the movement pattern and stuff like that. So cool. I use visuals a lot with the clients as well.
2: I can see how education is being just huge. Yeah. You get that grand scheme, like the, the big goal. What's, oh, absolutely. The, what's the, you know, not a week from now or a month from now, but what's the big picture? I can exactly. see how education
1: is huge. And, and you know, and now I can have all of my, you know, my clients recite certain muscles and movements back to me, you know, horizontal abduction know and certain things and like hip extension you know certain things that you know I didn't learn to later in my you know in, into my education like in college they can recite it to me because I've taught them right. to use those terms so
2: yeah. unique
3: <laughs> refreshing so yeah. do people who primarily just want to lose weight still struggle with some of those concepts of not understanding the importance of moving better and, and better technique you know again they're just in it for the weight loss
1: In in. And so that's my job as a coach to kind of re-explain the pursuit. And so, you know, people come to me and I said, you will lose weight, but it will take time kind of thing. And so, you know, so if they're if their movement patterns are dysfunctional, you know, I talk about, you know, like I said, I always say, you know, picture yourself, you know, so if someone's 20, I said, you know, imagine 50 year old you, you know, if you want to be moving well at 50 years old, you know, you'll just respect this for a second. Just let's let's slow it down. And, and know that you know that that through this enhancement of movement will come you know your ability to lose weight. So like through more range of motion, if you're able to activate the tissue through a greater range of motion, you're going to burn more calories and have a deeper activation. You're just going to be more muscle, or, like you know, muscle spindle fiber recruitment and so on and so forth. So it's you know through greater range of motion, you can accomplish more, and thereby will you know be able to lose the weight that you want to, but just respect this initial portion. So yeah, so. Yeah, but, you know, like I said, we'll they're, they're bet heads. We'll yeah. Yeah. bet. I mean, it, to where, you know, sometimes they just want to come in and, like, I need a good workout today. I'm like, okay, but, you know, you know, mobility for, like, you know, there's a, we have a, like, my mobility program is 45 minutes before I do any sort of exercise. I have, like, a kind of pretty standardized mobility routine where I go through things, and there's things, there's things I'm lacking at still, but, I mean, I go through that, and, and obviously there's a little bit expedited, since I only have an hour, but they do stuff on their own for homework and stuff like that,
2: so probably 45
4: minutes
0: more than a lot of people do it a week guilty yeah oh it's, as it's... much as I try and work on it
1: oh I was a gargoyle though like I for me for the for oh, yeah. longest part of my life I mean mobility wasn't even a thing no. and so but you know my dad was a, was a gymnast and so in I've you've mm. you see you guys seen the gymnastics bodies oh, yeah. going around yeah, to I feel me, terrible. those controlled calisthenics yeah. are like so intriguing to me so I've, I've really committed to that. I've actually subscribed to that. And this for me, it's like, you know, it's insane. I
3: watch the video clips. I'm like, oh, they're going to hurt themselves. Oh, wait, know. they're doing it. They're doing
1: it. <laughs> Yeah, and so, like, you know, there's there's so many things to me that I'm, like, you know, I'm exploring within the context because I teach yoga as well. And and so the yoga spectrum, you know, my dream is that, you know, we live in a world that where we can, you know, deadlift two times our body weight but also do, you know, full thoracic extension and, like, have, you know, good quality movement basis. And, you know, that's it's either one or the other. Right now, you lift heavy or you do yoga kind of thing and there's, you know, there's two separate ends of the spectrum and I'm trying to, you know, hybridize that idea because I love lifting heavy. I mean, I think one of your questions in here is, your favorite, I love deadlifts. I love to think really heavy deadlifts, that's like one of my favorite. Is like is to do that, but you know, I also like to do yoga. So,
0: do you have your clients to deadlift all of, them. all of them? Every single one of my clients has like a strong posterior chain. Yeah. I, yeah. No, I think that's yeah. yeah. so important. Yeah, that, I think it's an underutilized but when it is utilized, it can get kind of sketchy, it's not obviously not done properly. Right? Well,
4: it,
1: and for me, like, um, so I have a PVC pipe that I use, and I want people to recognize when they're in a neutral spine. And so, you know, to, like to, to, you know, proprioceptively be aware of, you know, you know, of a neutral spine, but I have, whether they're doing it with kettlebells, a trap bar or like a barbell, you know, they do a deadlift to some extent, right. you know, every week, sure. every week with volume. So, so it's such
2: an applicable movement. I mean, who doesn't pick the crap up off the floor? Exactly,
1: <laughs> exactly. And, and so, you know, and, and they get excited because, you know, they start progressing through the movement. Like I had a, um, uh, pageant. She's you know 14 years old. You know weighs all of 125 pounds. And I had her deadlifting her body weight. You know, to much to her surprise. And you know, after like a couple months, right. I pointed that kettle, to the kettlebell on the first day. I'm like, you're gonna lift that and just wait and kind of things. And she kind of smiled and like batted it away. I'm, and then when she did, it I'm like, told you, <laughs> told you.
2: So. Do you like the Gymnastics Bodies program? I do
1: I and I, I'm fresh into it you know I've been doing my own little like if uh, you guys follow Kelly Starrett and oh, yeah. his and his you know when I read Becoming a Supple Leopard my mind was just my, my entire training protocol was you know revamped oh, for sure. and so I've taken a lot of tidbits from him but you know the mobility sector of his books you know uh, there's Ready to Run and Desk yeah. Bound yeah. Wh- wh- which I'm working through right now too it, so yeah yeah, yeah. And so, ever since reading those, you know, I've completely reframed my mindset as to, you know, at first when I first started training, I'll admit that I was about making that person sore and complain about it for the next three days. But every six months, you realize how bad of a personal trainer you were six months ago. Yeah. So it's a constant progression. Yeah.
0: You had a story. You were when you were talking about being able to deadlift huge and then do the yogi thing. I watched some interview with him and. He and his wife were on vacation, and they went to a yoga class, and yeah. she's like, you need to go in there and just make all these people, like, go, holy crap, because he's a big dude. Yeah, yeah, but he was so mobile. He was going
3: in there and just rocking it out, and apparently the class is just like, oh, How you do oh that? yeah, <laughs> that was the first thing I thought of, too. I was like, he's that person that's trying to bridge the gap yeah. Oh, he is. Yeah. Yeah. Moving well, he got
1: some yeah. meat on his bones, but he can he can move so well, right. and and you know th- I think that is you know more gratifying that, you know than anything else. If you see someone who gives fluid in their movements, like to me, like it, that'll turn heads. It's like a Cirque du Soleil kind of moment. Where right. like, how do they do? How how did they get in that position? How do that make? Yeah. yeah, how did they exactly?
3: Not only that, I think those two attributes are more important for the sake than Absolutely. what yes. your weight or body composition is. If you can move well and you're strong, you can. Great move. You know, maintain your autonomy late in life that's going to go far right? oh man yeah. know, far you more than what your weight, weight is, is oh, you know, what your bmi is totally even body composition your, you right? see that in yeah. older patients
4: for sure absolutely yep.
1: yeah and it was funny because you know my mom has been a yoga instructor yoga therapist for 15 plus years and you know for the first part of my you know even when i started lifting working out she was the first one to stick stuck me in the gym because when i went to high school i wasn't even 100 pounds yet i was tiny and so she finally, you know, when I started hitting puberty, she said, you know, like, try these exercises. And then I started, you know, wanting to lift heavy, you know what I mean? And I was like, yoga's for girls. You know, that's, that's, you know, that's for girls. I didn't
0: so, even know what yoga was in high
1: school. Oh, and it's, and so now it's it's such a, you know, specifically yoga, not so much, but you know, the mobility sector of, of that, of, of, of the yoga practice is where I find myself to be kind of cross-hatching between like the gymnastics bodies, yoga. Like, like I said, controlled calisthenics is, is to me Super intriguing, so
3: that's one thing I think CrossFit's brought to the fitness world is the importance of mobility, oh, yeah. and active recovery kind of training.
0: Starrett was big on getting in on that, being a guy that could do the lift and then also sitting there like, But you need to do this, yeah. yeah.
3: I would oh. love to just spend a day in the gym with him. Oh, yeah, pointed out all my weaknesses. <laughs> oh, boy, oh, yeah, here's where you're tight, here you
2: need to work on that. It's, it's, you know, and his background as a physical therapist throws
0: just street cred to the whole thing. Yeah. Not that you need it, but you
3: can do everything.
1: But that's, yeah. that, that's, that's that that weight that you need to like establish your report your initial yeah. rapport, you know what I mean? It's he's got a doctor in physical therapy and you know, he's, he's taken his his savvy and applied it to, you know, exercise directly and specifically CrossFit. And if you go to the West Coast, which I'm sure you've experienced, you know, the West Coast is leaps and bounds ahead of us as far as you know stretching the importance of the mobility sector within the realm of CrossFit because
4: the early stages of CrossFit were
1: you know job security for chiropractors and physical therapists and that was it and then they said oh we should probably change before we ruin the name of CrossFit kind of so,
2: yeah. <laughs> It's nice when it's worked into the program you know if it mid- they see it in the program, like, okay, yeah, they can feel better about doing it, I think, instead of, like, having it be an extra thing, and then it kind of gets left out, like, some of the things you guys have implemented within, you know, the, the SPC at EWL. I think it's already in there. Yeah,
0: good. it's been funny, because the more I watch, we've gone along the EXOS uh, program, where oh, it's yeah. building, you know, superset, but building and mobility stuff, and, it's been funny to just as I keep learning more about what they do, it's like, oh, well, that's a yoga pose that I just tried the other week, but we just threw it into their movement prep. And, the guy, you know, the guys don't know what they're doing. They're just doing what they're told. Exactly. And so I think that's been our biggest thing in the injury reduction. But, yeah, it's funny, like, how the guy that created that whole thing, he did the same thing. He took what he liked from every different place and just put it into a system. And you don't even know that you're doing yoga poses. Yeah. Until you go to a yoga class and you're like, oh my god, I was just doing that when I was working out. Yeah, like, that, what's yeah. happening? Yeah. yeah. It's, it's very funny how... Disguise it. You know,
1: you don't have to... You know, you call it yoga and, and people will kind of, you know, maybe it might bat a away or yeah. something like that. But if you do it in... You know, if a strength coach prescribes it, it's like, oh yeah, I dig that. I can I can roll with it. I should probably do that. So, yeah. yeah. It, it depends on the who, who you're hearing it from. So,
2: that's a little bit... So true. true. So, the chickens are still there, and here's a lot of the chickens. So, yeah. Uh, go ahead. Yeah, I'm just going to go down these questions. For for sure. Uh, any, um, uh, what are some of the biggest training faults or errors that you commonly see? I uh, from, so from a client standpoint? Yeah. I see? Yeah. And I want to follow
0: that up because I want to know what you see in like personal trainers as yeah. well, like the most common areas. So. Yeah. All of the above. So. And other personal trainers and? And yeah, what you see in your clients.
1: So, you know, I, and I always go back to the term proprioceptive awareness. You know, I use mirrors so people can see when things are, you know, you know, when their knee's falling valgus or anything like that, or like, you know, so like for me when I, I was like the neutral spine is, is such a big, you know, sector for me. So, um, so that I would say between those two, um, probably the knee valgus and the inability to, well, I'm going to go off, I'm going to go deeper here. So thoracic spine movement, a rotation extension specifically, um, but then ability to maintain a neutral spine. Um, uh, and then, like I said, the knee valgus and then like, I just see like tight hips everywhere I go, everywhere I go. And so, and so, you know, whether, you know, and that's why the, the book desk found to me is so intriguing because it, you know, he gives good verbiage as far as, you know, how to, you know, articulate that to an individual, you know, why it's important to, you know, you know, even if you're standing, you're still stationary kind of thing. So it's, it's, it's my mindset, but, uh. I've, I've really brought a uh, specific focus to, you know, spinal health as of lately, you know, and so my I know my T-spine has a lot of work. Like my extension, eh, my rotation's much better, but I've been really working on my extension, you know, and so it's I, I see that in a lot of other people too, especially, you know, given the fact that, you know, a lot of our so operating capacity as human beings uh, is done in front of us, you know, whether we're driving or at a desk or you know doing laundry or doing dishes, everything is done in front of us. So we've got that upper cross syndrome, you know, idea where it's closed shoulder. And so reversing that mentality or reversing that, you know, that posture to every extent that I can. So, so, but as far as, as trainers go, and it was for movements so specifically. So I work out solely for the reason to escape I work out at the YMCA. I like, I like yeah. Yeah. So I work out at the YMCA just so I am a bystander and not you can't come to me for questioning. So my 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 hour to two two hours at the YMCA is I am you know I'm in my headphones and I'm doing my workout. And so, but obviously I've kind of got that ever wandering eye that's kind of paying attention to my periphery. And so, uh, the story that Joel is referring to is I you know I see the personal trainers and I silently judge. I'll be honest. And so. <laughs> And so I watch this, you know, and the guy walks into the gym and they have a little, you know, conversation at the front desk and you can kinda of see emotion over like, all right, let's go get our, they, let's go get our you know our workout started. So they go over to the squat rack and go right into loaded overhead squats. Nothing preceded it. Nothing preceded it. And I'm watching this guy and I'm I'm his His low back. I'm just waiting for just to crush under the weight of the like, because you you know you can tell he has no lat mobility, and he's you know it's dumping into the low. And I'm watching this, and I'm like, and I'm like sweating for him. (laughs) Yeah, because I I, I, and and so you know I'll see you know, know, the trainers will will adhere to the demands of their client. If the train if the if the client wants to you know, and so they lose the control based upon what the client has requested, and they think that they have to you know the client wants to be sore, I'm gonna make him sore. It's your job as a practitioner to take a step back and say no. Like and so but at the same time it's like they don't may not know any better. And so in you know, in uh you know, and I'm hoping that you know, with this idea of discussion and you know, infiltrating the community of the cross, and that people will start to recognize that you know, there's more to you know, exercise than the soreness factor. And so, just because you're not sore doesn't mean you didn't get a good you know, workout. In. And so, like you said, but I, and every once in a while, like you know, I'll I'll seek out and just do like an insane like German volume training, you know, ten by ten, yeah, sure. and, you know, squat it's good. It's good. It's good. and just and just yeah, yeah. just just ruin my legs. But you know, I mean, it depends on what my stress level is for the day. But so you know so the biggest mistake that i tend to see is trainers you know not taking a step back and being a professional right. you know stopping the stopping the requests of the clients and just because they're not happy you know you have to explain to them why this is the right protocol so.
0: at the expense of their uh, morals or values their... yeah there's so much out there somebody just forwarded me i had seen it but it was talking about like the unregulated world of strength and conditioning coaches, and it was referencing what happened out at Oregon. Uh, their new strength, new head coach, new strength coach. Well, the strength coach only needed to take like a, I think it said twenty-seven hour. It's a certification through Track and Field Coaches Association, college level, NCAA. Um, but even the, with that, like it's the same thing, kind of with the NSCA and the CSCS. Like, you're supposed to have something related to it, but I feel like you, in terms of your degree,
3: you, you know more of the details. But then it's just be a college level strength coach. You just need a certification, right? right well, now. it's one
0: of two, especially at Division One. It's one of two. They
3: prefer it, but
0: it's no, not it's not, not the rule.
3: rule. No, because the guy at Oregon, but he, he had the GOAT. he had the track incident, but that's one that they've approved. No, the the two that they're leaning towards are the CSCS, Oh, they have C S C C A are the two that they prefer. Anywho, they were
0: basically the conversation was now we're trusting these great. people with these student-athletes, but this is legitimately all they had. Because I know when I was at a former university, the head strength coach, because he was the boy of the, the guy of the head coach, he didn't have a certification at all. He's just going off of being like a, for lack of a better word, a meathead, and it just, are <laughs> <laughs> right, and it's just scary and that's where I think you've made such huge strides in what you've done because I feel like, oh, in my mind, I'm being a little judgy here too, but like a lot of personal trainers, like you go and you find whatever certification you want to get, you spend the money, you take the test, some of the tests you can take as many times as you need to until you pass it, Now all of a sudden I'm a personal trainer. And so then it's just, it's, it's almost scary to a degree, but I don't know how it's your
1: this is this is if you, I'll use your word, judgy. Um, but you know, you know. You know <laughs> uh, but you know, for me, like I said, you know, the pursuit of mastery. And if you ever listen to Barbell Shrug, that pursuit oh, yeah. of mastery. You know, what's compelling within our our field is the fact that you'll never actually be. You know, the pursuit of mastery is what's a, because you'll never be you know you open up one hormone ghrelin that will lead you to a whole separate realm of things so every single time you open a little door it opens up to you a whole labyrinth of you never op- a at all. you'll never know it all and to me that's so compelling and so you know but there are people that you know they get their certification they're a fitness professional I don't need to learn anymore I'll take what I know start applying it and I am the fitness professional and you know in, in conversations I've referred to them before as dollar store personal trainers you know because their worth is, you know, their certification, and they've never tried to pursue more. And they've they've never been intrigued to pursue more. And the you know the the fitness spectrum is, is ever evolving. And if you're not up to date with those things, then you're you're behind. So you know. So for me, it's that 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 evolution. You have to be right in track with it. So, so and I hope that people see that as a you know eventually. To have, like, kind of, you know, but that's kind of the purpose of the continuing education credits. But whether or not they, you know, look to apply that or if they just like breeze through it and then move on and go back to their old ways, whatever. For the NSCA, I think you can get
0: half your credits just by getting re in CPR and everything like that, yeah, where you're, you're not like necessarily learning a whole lot. But yes, you're learning CPR, it's very important. I just feel like that should be like flat required Like, that's not continuing it. That's like just a, you should just do that.
3: That's a portion of.
0: Over time, though, I think
2: cream's going to kind of rise to the top there. Like yes. you said, you get some referrals, and you're going to continue to succeed, whereas those other ones, I don't think it's sustainable that way over the long that you got a whole other animal Yes. Yeah,
0: no, I agree.
1: Actually, I was sat down with Jordan last night, and, you know, my eventual hope is that, you know, that you know, similar to, like, an athletic trainer or anything like that, that there's a national accredited exam. Like, you know, they're like so that, you know, because I work hand in hand with, you know, you know, I get doctor's referrals and I get, you know, I work with Diane who's a physical therapist and we see, you know, eye to eye with all of our, you know, so to have that sort of like. Trifecta between healthcare professionals, you know, physical therapists and like personal trainers to somehow eventually sneak our way into, you know, the healthcare system towards a nationally accredited exam that you need. Like it's going to be pretty rigorous. Like I'd rather like weed out the weed out the bad with a really intense, you know, application style exam, and then really, you know, give the the merit to personal trainers that have, you know, decided to grow with the, industry. You know, the industry. So. It'd be interesting if they
0: could ever go back to practical. I know for, like, the athletic training one, it used to be, like, you went into a place, you took the written test, but then you had it practical. Like, you had to physically demonstrate you knew what you were doing. And they've gotten rid of that. I'm sure it was a costing or something like that. That they, I don't know what it is now, but we had, like, scenarios where you had to, like, pick what you wanted to do, and that took you down this route. And kind of, so they tried to make it somewhat practical, but... Man, if you had to do that for like strength and conditioning, like demonstrate and cue like things that like you're trying to trick them, but you're not really trying to trick them because they should be able to pick on those things, it could be really huge and interesting. Be a great idea. I don't know how you get all the organizations to agree on thing. You wouldn't because it's things. too easy to make money now, right? which unfortunately is what drives so much of it. It's
1: every, yeah, everything's got to be monetized to a certain extent, which is, it The downfall of a lot of—I mean, not just this industry. I mean, everything. So, yeah, it's nuts, nuts.
2: Anybody else that you consider to be weeders or follow closely? You mentioned Starette.
1: So, uh, in the realm of uh, the fitness industry, I mean, I follow Eric Cressy very, very closely. His his knowledge on the shoulder is, you know. Yeah, something to aspire towards unreal like you know he's just got this unbelievable you know savvy um and then like kind of a common hustle like mike reinhold he's yep. got some good stuff as well and then i'm trying to think if there's anyone else like if uh so kelly sarat's done some stuff with jill miller you ever heard of the role model
0: she's got some really so <laughs> she's
1: yeah the know. role model i have that one if you know. want to yeah. yeah so it's and, and she's got some really good insight actually the guys at barbell shrug just did an interview with her she has some really
2: it's really cool insight. Yeah. Has like an hour class she like that. Yeah, okay. okay. yeah, and that's literally her
0: class, and just yep. the way she's approached it. Because like, her whole thing is, if you don't like it, don't come. But yeah. this is what we're gonna do, <laughs> exactly. and she just built herself up. Yeah, it's an really interesting episode. Oh. Yeah,
1: I thought that she had some really good insight as to, you know, when she talks about, like, because I do the suboccipital release with the, with my lacrosse balls, and, you know, and it opens up a whole new realm of rotation once you get the full release. And it's just, so when she was talking about, that, I was like, oh, <laughs> right on. I'm, uh, I'm kind of in the right category. So, yeah, it's, but so I would say, I, I would say, you know, Kelly Starrett, you know, hangs out at the top. And I've got a bunch of other people that I follow kind of down that, down that line. Um. And those are more the movements, you know, as, but as far as like business and, and stuff like that, like it really, you know, Tim Ferriss is, you know, right near the, the top of my list. So as far as, you know, I know that guy, what a guy, what a guy. great guy, <laughs> guy. keeps me. And I've listened to a lot of his stuff just over and over again, oh, yeah. you know, because you can take little nuggets from every single one of his and just, and just, you know, keep pulling from it. So
0: Starting to try and. I'm trying to finish two other books, so I can start the Tool of Titans and just start bouncing around in that one. That's have you read that at
2: all? So one of my buddies put it pretty perfectly the other day. It said, "It
1: says I don't know what the, but how PC do I have to be on this on this podcast? It says shit read. So he he, you to, he interviews people, and so he has got it, and they're like th- three pages. And so as he sits down on the toilet, he. He, he reads one person because nice. it's 700 pages yeah, it's right. a huge undertaking yeah, yeah. and so and so it's really intriguing the first part is the health is a health of wellness one yeah. And so you know even if you were to delve into the realm of like you know the uh, ketosis you right. know you know a lot of them talk about the effects of ketosis and fasting and stuff like that like I had to stop after they mentioned it too many. You know because I was like, all right, I gotta look more to this. And I bought some exogenous ketones and did a cu- like a couple day fast just like test it out. And it's, it's super interesting because they speak so highly of it, but it opens up all these other doors of like you know potential like benefits of different you know, you know, in like you know, cold treatment and heat and cold treatments and the effects of that on um, recovery. And so it's just nuts. And so I have to like take a step and it's good because you read three pages, you're like. I'm going to think on that for about four days. <laughs> yeah. I really had to sit back and just digest that for like four days.
0: His, his four-hour body did that for me. That like, I take notes out of everything. I highlight, and I'd write it down on a note card, so I'd go back, and then i will put it in and organize all the stuff. Complete nerd type thing, but... You just, like, I took so many notes out of it because it was, like, this little thing. I like, never thought of that before. And then, like you said, it's just, like, a rabbit hole of, like you don't know where to stop after you start reading about some of it. It's just, like, what is Because it? then it's, like, oh, well, he referenced this. Well, I should go read that book. And then read books in, in <laughs> one direction, and you don't know when to, like, turn back. Cause... My
1: book, like, on Amazon.com, I'm, I'm ready to pull the trigger on, like, 16 different books that have been mentioned in, in, Tools of Titans. Yeah. And, like just, and like, I've had to really refer to or like, you know, resort to uh, audio books just cause yep. you know, yeah. then I don't have to sit down and read it. So I'm just, in my commutes and stuff like that, I can apply myself in that fashion, so.
2: I go through way more audio than actual reading yes, uh, time-wise. you yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You're,
1: like a 10 minute commute, you know, that's a solid two chapters potentially. So that's huge,
2: yeah. I'm up to 1.75 now with, uh, with my speed
0: actually understand it I <laughs> thought about speeding up podcasts I just don't know if I have like the capacity to focus yeah. enough to I, wouldn't do that. I don't know that I,
1: I I'm i play pause the, the play yeah. pause kind of guy where I'll take a con- if they mention like a concept I'm like oh <laughs> I'm gonna mar- let that marinate yeah. a little bit it's that was good just let that sink that's
3: in that's why I like reading yeah just because you read read sure. it sure a couple times yeah I, okay. I had the back 30 seconds right. quite a bit yeah,
1: I've, I've, you know, for me, it's, if you ever see a lot of the books that I read, it, you know, I've, I've absolutely tortured them with the highlighters and pens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've absolutely, you know, they're an abomination to the point where I could never resell them because I've marked them up so bad right. as far as, you know, what I've, you know, I've written little, like, ooh, asterisk, ooh, highlighter, yeah. like, remember this statement kind of thing, so. And that's usually how I approach books. Same thing, you yeah, know, it's, like, because, you know, like, Kelly Starrett's book are, like, textbooks. So I've got those marked and flagged, like, to, to oblivion, so. Get your money's worth out of that. Oh, them. yeah. Best dollars I've ever spent right there.
0: that's where I struggle with audiobooks and like Kindle because I really want the library. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like that is like, that's, yeah. I like the
1: hard, I'm old fashioned. Yeah.
0: I've oh, actually started a thing on Amazon. And this is how much of a nerd I am. Like if I read it on Kindle but I really liked it or I heard it in an audiobook, I have like, I've already read it, but I want to have the physical copy. Yeah. So I'll go back and look, like, if I need to just see if I can buy it for, like, 50 cents oh, yeah. and throw it on an order. <laughs> yeah.
1: That's not nerd. That's,
0: that's First easy. world problems. Yeah. That's a real human. It's not really, yeah, not really stressing me out, but that's kind of where I'm at when it comes <laughs> to my books. Yeah. That's you awesome. That's
1: awesome. I don't
0: know. Any topics you want to talk about or cover that are trying to resort back to the our, our
1: our our kind of our prompt here and I don't I don't know if there's no, anything mixed that you want to go Yeah
0: just thrown on there just like fitness myths that you see that you constantly have to break. You know like we talk a lot on just the bar stuff that we do like cardio isn't your best route to fat loss. You know like that is one that just seems Wait, to be what? I know, sorry to bust your bubble there. <laughs> or like the scale doesn't lie it can and it yeah. So those are you know a couple of like big ones, but so like you're talking you talking the
1: Rebel fitness. And, or
0: whatever, you, nutrition, whatever you common. I, like, always com-
1: I always have to bat it back to, to how the perception of fat is bad. I always have to go back. I have to go back to that every single. You know, I eating fat. Eating fat yeah, everyone thinks you know. Oh, that person's fat. They must you know they must eat too much fat kind of thing and so the the body type labeling to coincide with the, the name of the the so macronutrients is, is viewed as bad and so you know explaining to people that you know in a low-fat you know item versus the regular fat item you know the only thing that's you know differentiating two is the amount of sugar and sugar is gonna do more for you so I always have to combat that because they're getting low-fat yogurt low-fat so on so forth and so and you know I'll tell them how much fat I eat on a day-to-day basis and it's insane You know, it's, it's you know, like 50, 60% of my diet, depending on the day, is is fat. You know, it's just, you know, I eat just a ton, a ton, a ton of fat. And so, and it's and I've seen the effects, you know. In college, I ate like a college kid. It was pasta and Hot Pockets, you know what I mean? It was, I couldn't afford, you know.
0: That is our first reference to Hot Pockets. I'm kind of impressed that that I took this long. (laughs) Stripping it up more. Yeah. Yeah.
1: But it wasn't until, you know, after college, I was like, oh, I should probably start practicing what I preach. And I saw the, you know, and I did a, you know, three years ago, I wanted to, you know, do like a uh, uh, carb depletion cycle, like you would do for leading up to a show, uh-huh. and I, and I got down to like 23 2. percent body fat wow. or something like that. So it was, it was, it was fun to see your body change. But obviously, oh yeah, but it was, you know, but it was nuts because I was the most irritable person in the entire, you know. So, but I mean, just to see I, was, you know. I
0: was told that when I lost a bunch of weight one time. You're not fun to be around. Yeah. Great, what are you talking about, yeah.
3: jerk? What do you know? Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, but I mean, and and now that I've kind of gotten more into the realm of like sustaining is like, you know, the amount of carbs that I eat per day, you know, oh, and the carb thing, you know, how everyone views carbs as, you know, breads, pastas and stuff like that, you know, explaining to them a good carb, bad carb. So not necessarily a myth, but like, you know, they say, I guess carbs are bad. You know, people will say carbs are bad, you know, ubiquitously, you know, that's carbs are bad. So batting that down and saying fats are bad. And batting that down, so. But yeah, the cardio thing too, because you know, I I am really, really cynical when it comes to running, just just really, really cynical because I've incurred, you know, so many people who have, you know, just ruined themselves with the sport and I'll do like, you know, the running analysis and you know, if I pick out the, your the pronation of their ankle joint, I'm like, we have to fix that before you ever start running again kind of thing. And then there's the whole like, you know, corrective exercise protocol to correct that from the heel all the way up to the hips, you know what I mean, so.
2: Hogan Galbraith has said that if he were to put have anybody do any movement um, and injure them, guarantee they're going to be injured. He'd just have them run. And, yeah. Pretty oh, we talk about it a lot. Treating it as a skill. It's yeah. not some like innate
0: quality we just all have. Yeah. Especially with the way that we changed our day-to-day biomechanics with shoes and That's heels. It should and be and in, a good It should, yeah. probably so was lose at it. one point. Yeah, I think Starrett says it's like the first grade when he starts noticing it because then all of a sudden kids are thick-heeled shoes, so they lose the ability.
1: The mattress shoes? that I just that kill me. Like, I'm like, there's...
0: Supposedly, yeah. they're a zero drop even though you're running on a mattress, yeah, that's a great way to put it. First grade, too, they also uh, go
2: from moving their entire lives to plopping, you know, sitting down you know.
1: And that's a really interesting point, if you read uh, Deskbound, they talk about our edu- educate. yeah, yeah. Because the, the book is dedicated to a school, I can't remember where it is, but it's an all-stand-up school, there's no chairs in the school. That's what the, the, the it's it's this book is dedicated to this person who created the first all standing school. There's no chairs in the entire school. Can't remember where it is.
0: They had talked about doing that, like it's a stand up exponent desk, but then it's got like a sway bar on the bottom yep. so the kid can, can sit there and like fidget. Yeah. And there's claims of like reducing A D and stuff like that because you're allowing allowing them to get that random energy out and so it's not manifesting in somewhere else. So that's been interesting to say the least yeah i i
1: i I've, I've i've said it over and over again if someone comes to me they're like i want to run a half marathon i'm like let's sit down <laughs> Sorry about this. let's 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 like do why because i want to why like you know i'm like that little kid who just is persistently asking why why like you know and I'll and then i'll give them my my feedback as to what i perceived you know running to do to the human body and like you know you of like the new year's resolution wave you know the immediate you know a lot of people when they run it feels like they're dying so it must be good for me i must be burning calories and with no like zero mindfulness you know you know they they go about these movements with like reckless abandon and just because they feel like they're dying oh it must be hard so i must be burning calories so you know that must be exercise and so and again there's that diluted definition of what exercise represents is like dying you know, I mean, like that's where you
3: feel so bad for people that can't adhere to their programs and yeah. fall off the wagon, like because you did it the wrong way. No exactly. wonder you were miserable. And could-
1: that was my, I write for Seven Magazine, and that was my biggest thing. Is like for the New Year's, it's like you know, start slow. Like if you do it all at once, you're gonna fail. Like like guaranteed. If you change your diet, you change your exercise, you change your sleep, you know, your sleep and stuff like that, it's, you're gonna fail. So
4: willpower
0: and decision making—they're finding it. They're finite. You don't have the ability to have ultimate willpower all day, every day. Like you have to pick and choose where it comes from. So, yep. like you're saying, you make a million changes; three of them are going to stick. Yeah, maybe if you're lucky. If you
1: Well, if you guys ever read the book *Power of Habit*, that's a, that's a pretty good one. Um, shoot, I can't even think of the author right now, but it's called oh, *The Power God. of Habit*, and that one's that one's really good too. And it's just you know that would be for like the the, the common person who's looking to make changes in their life. And you know what, like what capacity of our day-to-day life is? If we had to think about every single thing that we did, we wouldn't be able to operate as a species because we would be, you know, constantly engaged. So a lar- large amount of do, and it talks about creating habits within your prefrontal cortex and stuff like that. And so it gets pretty in depth, but it's pretty interesting as far as you know, recognizing what what it means to make a habit within your day-to-day routine. So it's pretty interesting. Yeah,
2: pretty cool. I like the science. It's cool. So, with your 50 to 60 percent of your calories being fat, what are your favorite go-to sources? meat that. fat. Yeah, that's
0: actually a great.
2: That's
1: uh, so. I eat coconut oil like there's no tomorrow. I've got organic butter that I eat um and then i do like you know peanut like so any, if i have any carbs during the day like a piece of bread or anything like that ultimately it's a vehicle for my peanut butter and i'll put like a you know a quarter inch lather on top of there and just you know and pound that um otherwise I'm
0: sure some people hear that and be like perfect yeah this is my this is my guy Jordan's telling me yeah, i can eat peanut butter
1: jordan actually did a pretty good write-up about that the other day and how you know they've marketed peanut butter to you know be a good source of protein when it's just fat you know peanut butter is just fat with a little bit of protein sprinkled out there. And avocados and stuff like avocados are you know, I eat at least two avocados a day, pretty much every day. So cashews, pistachios. I've got I've got like a healthy, you know, nut diet, so so a lot of it. And so and you know, calorically speaking, you know, you'd see the calories that I consume in that realm to be you know, I'm between four thousand and five thousand calories a day, given depending on what, what day it is and stuff like that. If I have a really hard workout, closer to 5,000 calories, so...
0: And for all the people, because we don't have this on video, he is lean. He's not <laughs> yeah. just saying that, and he's yeah. this monster of a person. He is very fit. We so, just said
2: he had at 1.2, percent Yeah, uh, he hasn't
0: fallen off the leg, yeah. and we'll put it that way.
1: I, if, if you don't want me to be hangry, I hover around 7 to 8%. So that's kind of where, I, that, where my happy place is. So... That's that's about where I, where I where I like to hover, and that's like I said, that's without me becoming irritable. Yeah. and make sure I have caffeine in me as well. I yeah. Any other? I guess I I have to check out my computer
4: in there. Yeah. I feel like we kind of run yeah. ran
0: through all the main topics, unless anybody else has got something to cover. Um, kind of, well, since we're diving into nutrition just you were talking about fat. Do you do, or recommend like when it comes to supplementation? You know, is it protein powder for people that might struggle to get their protein in, or like anything else that you would suggest? You know, for people as you're kind of this whole, yeah, full encompassing thing.
1: So there's a really cool sticker I got from the food co-op here, and my my ultimate my ultimate uh, piece of advice is eat real food. Yeah. I mean, to the most of mm-hmm. my, I've essentially cut out most supplementation, but for people who are struggling to get it, then I have you know, and some people will want like a. A vegan protein, which is you know like a, like a pea protein or something like that. So if they're really struggling to get their protein intake, then I'll recommend you know uh, a different. So I, I I use a couple different uh, types of protein powders. So if they're wanting whey, I use uh, Syntha Six. It's just off of Bodybuilding. and you know and you know I was talking to Jordan to Jordan last night. We sat down for a beer and ended up talking for three hours. Like it was just it was, so you know and they're and to me they're you know that proprietary blend that you know sneaks its way into so many different supplements it's kind of hard to avoid you know but there's a couple good pea proteins out there um, that are that are pretty good if you're looking for a vegetarian option and whatnot but I I think uh, protein so protein powders fish oils and I, those are pretty much the only two that I that I recommend as far on a regular basis. Uh, I don't I don't do heavy recommendations for supplementation. Right. Like I said, for most situations, I just try to say you know eat real food, with a really like so for my business travelers and stuff like that. Like you know, it's I try to get them to you know to make healthy decisions on the go, especially you know when their job is to entertain you know other constituents in their cell. It's always it's always tough. So, but in truth, I don't. I try not to recommend too many supplementations unless sure. unless they're really 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 struggling so I try to teach them or more educate them and their like the Sunday ritual you guys do like meal prep on Sundays or anything like that I
0: haven't I started, started working on that or way towards it as we are so I do uh,
1: this, this yeah, yeah I, I do this massive meal prep on, on you know whether it be tuna steaks I've got a, a CSA for I've got a a quarter cow in my freezer so grass-fed beef I've got a local farmer that I get my eggs and chickens from and so I've got I've got my, a huge freezer full of goodies but I do like like meal prep on Sundays where I literally have my entire you know partitioned out to you know day by day which is you know just receive those six-pack fitness bags kind of thing so I've got the six one it's got mm-hmm. the six compartments, and I, I eat that every day. So, nice. and, and the, my fridge is stupid packed on Sunday. Like yeah. it's it's kind yeah. of annoying, I'm but not, it's. But yeah, I've, and I've you know it's fun for me because I I dabble with different you know recipes and stuff like that. You know it's hard. It's sometimes hard to make healthy food taste good. You know, so I've had to find different ways to do so. And I've really cut out dairy.
0: But when you can slather. Peanut butter, on it. peanut butter or <laughs> that organic butter you're talking about when you can put that on it that makes
1: hummus i forgot hummus i eat hummus like there's no tomorrow i eat a ton a ton of hummus so that, that would be another another realm that i would that sneak do: garbanzo beans chickpeas whatever so
2: yeah
3: absolutely your own depends
1: on my time whatever time constraints uh it kind of uh, i mean i'm and then i just get caught up with sodium content more than anything so but I'm usually under the twenty-three hundred milligrams per day, to the best of my ability. So, so don't get too too bloated.
4: Go. Absolutely. <laughs> <we'll be. laughs> Going to the,
0: we, five, yeah. the final ones. Kind of hit the book recommendations. other ones Yeah, oh yeah. Oh, yeah. I've got a couple yeah. of passages. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah, let's um, go with the book recommendations slash words so, uh, of wisdom.
1: Uh, so the, I'm going to read a passage from Start With Why by Simon Sinek. And the subtext is How, to, how Great Leaders Inspire Everyone to Take Action. And so uh, on page 65, he talks about uh, the, name of the, ti- or the name of the chapter is Clarity, Discipline, and Consistency. And so the paragraph is called Clarity of Why. It says, it all starts with clarity. You have to know why you do what you do. If people don't buy what you do, they buy why you do it. So it follows that if you don't know why you do what you do, how will anyone else? And I kind of go, go along the lines of, of, of having, you know, having that being the foundation of how, you know, because I'm very passionate about my, my work. And so why I do it is I ultimately want to see my clients succeed, you know? And, and so I think that people can sense that And see the good that you know my intentions are to make them you know flourish as an individual so that they're moving well you know years and years down the road so and so I I like that little nugget of there otherwise I've got uh, the book Grits by Angela Duckworth and there's a a small passage on page 137 Um, it says first know the science each of the basic requirements of deliberate practice is uh, unremarkable a clearly defined Stretch goal, full concentration and effort, immediate and informative feedback, repetition with reflection and refinement. So I, I like I apply I try to apply that with, you know, that's why when I was talking about the podcast, I stop it and I'm like I just like I revel in it for a second. I'm like, Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. <laughs> I to I'm gonna really I'm gonna really just, you know, digest that for a second. Sure. So let's sink in. Yeah, let's sink in.
0: I feel like it just like comes in, and I have to hear like three other ways, and then it finally sticks.
1: Well, what I'll end up doing is I'll listen to a podcast. I'll listen to it three times before I move on to another podcast. So I listen to it once, and I just listen to it all the way through. I listen to it another time, and I have a notebook near me. And then you know, then I'll give it a week break after digesting the notes that I took, and I listen to it again, and then and then listen to it at, based upon the interpretation and so see if anything, you know, I'd take any other, notes. if you watch a movie like 10 right. years later, you'll pick up on different things. Sure. Same concept. I kind of apply to a podcast and I'll listen to it later and it's you know, it's like, oh, I missed that. Like, that's a good point. So. That makes sense. I yeah. like
0: that.
2: So. Probably own that material by the third time too.
1: That's right. And that's, and it's funny because, you know, I don't, I don't know if you guys ever, if you ever leave a podcast and, and there's so much that you could have taken from that, that you that like you know for me even a book it's like you know i'll read all the books that i have again at some point in time but there's so much to be extracted from that hour presentation or whatever that it's you know it's uh, i have to listen to it more than once and so and I'm, i'm extremely ocd like that where if there's anything left untouched i feel like i i shorted myself the experience
2: of of the podcast or the book or whatever it is so yeah Perfect. Get more out
3: of
1: it then. Yeah, and I try to be in you know, podcasting was something I just you know started you know maybe a year and a half ago, and I just fell in love. I'm like yeah. you know I don't I don't even know what's on the radio anymore. I'm and I and I think this is part of adulting. I'm not sure, what <laughs> but I, I couldn't tell you who the you know the most popular artists are right now. What the most popular songs are because I have you know podcasts on in like podcasts and or you know NPR on in my car. So that's and that's it.
3: There you go. Makes me mad there's not more time in the day to listen to them all. Oh, absolutely. That's my problem. My cue list is getting too long for yeah. it gets longer
0: before it gets short. That's one problem I have because I really want to see all of those red circles down to zero
3: and I've got 12 that I'm trying to listen to and I was like there's just not enough hours in the day to get through yeah. all this. It's like you got to make excuses to get, oh I'm going to go take the dogs for a walk just so I can listen to a podcast. That's my, <laughs> yeah, that's one of my best ones. Like, that was a really long walk. Yeah, I just
0: got. Uh, yeah, dog wanted to keep going. Right, he was <laughs> it. <being like, laughs> yeah, there you go. Very
2: nice. What's the uh, the most influential purchase for under a hundred dollars, whether it's maybe fitness related or otherwise?
1: So when I first embarked on my mobility routine, I would just forget. I would just, I would just, you know, space it. I wouldn't. I would think of it so, um, and that was kind of at the, in the beginning stages of my yoga practice. So I bought in the same day I bought two practice lacrosse balls, a six-foot piece of PVC pipe, and a yoga mat. And I leave it out in the same place, and I walk by it every single day. So it's a it's a blatant notification. You have to do that. Yeah. So and now it's you know it's part of my day-to-day routine. So the yoga mat, you know, it was just a cheap one at first. So I've upgraded since then, but the yoga mat I leave it all. All the time, um, the PVC pipe is laying on the length of the, the the yoga mat for you know for mostly shoulder rotation, overhead movements and stuff like that. And then the the, the balls to get my to get my back and like suboccipital area. So I, and those in total, I think it was like 60 bucks.
4: And I use those
1: I use those every single day. So. That's my that's my little mobility kit, and it's it, it, it has other entities as well that I use, but those are the main ones. And so, the yoga mat was definitely. So I go through the my like I said my and my routine has refined itself over time. But you know I started out with a really basic mobility routine. My hips were tight, you know my I had no T spine rotation and stuff like that. So I just you know I made it a point to start for 15 minutes, and it's now evolved to. Forty-five, sometimes an hour, depending on what my body's I bet feeling. I like feel day.
2: great after that. Though. Oh,
1: I feel like a Gumby. That's yeah. <laughs> great. I love it.
2: Be a good insight. Yeah, yeah well, I'll do, that. we'll hit you thing. up for that.
0: Yeah.
1: Oh, the before and afters is crazy. You know, as I, you know, if I, if I go through my initial range of motion, go through the whole thing. I, you know, I do like a check and recheck kind of thing, and I go back to the same movement pattern. And it's just, you know, it's, you know, for me to if you'd have seen me two years ago to try to touch my toes, you would have laughed openly, and I would have accepted it as, you know, like I said, I was a gargoyle, I was made of stone. There's like, I had no fluidity to my movement at all. You know, have you ever heard of Ido Portal? Yeah, I love watching him. Unreal. Like, I, I, can, I can watch his stuff all day, and just, you know, and that's kind of what led me to the gymnastics bodies and stuff like that, because Ido Portal is just an amazing movement practitioner. So I, you know, I, I aspire to be like him. He's just so fluid in all things, but strong. So.
0: He's got a. He's been interviewed a couple of times on London Reel. Yep. So if you haven't checked those out, they're worth checking out. What is something that you believe that others may not, and it doesn't have to be health and fitness? It could be whatever you want it to be.
1: I think I referred to it earlier today, and I, I just I, I believe in a world where people can deadlift two times their body weight, but also have you know fluid movement capabilities. You know. Like you being able to hold like a deep squat is a resting pose. Having you know mobility in their hips and stuff like that. And I try to get all of my clients to do that, given that the articulation of their knees is you know still intact. Um, but there's certain movements that I retrace by. So like you know I want people to lift heavy and move fluidly you know, a combination of those two and there's usually, unfortunately, a disconnect between those two. So, you know, if you lift really heavy, you're pretty locked into that, you know, you have adhesion upon adhesion upon adhesion of, bro- of broken up muscle tissue to where you can't move fluidly and, right. and or you're, or, or you, you know, you just do yoga and, you, and this, your strength capacity isn't what it could potentially be. And With that, I can't, and I'm to botch it. There's that quote by Socrates, um, It's a shame for a man to grow old without having ever seen the beauty or the strength and beauty that his body can achieve, or something like that. Have you ever heard that one before? I'm gonna look it up. I had it pulled up. It's a shame for a man to grow old without seeing the beauty and strength of which his body is capable.
2: Okay. Yeah. And I use
1: that as kind of a you know I hold that to a high regard because you know I want to see people's bodies evolve. I want to see my body evolve. You know. Sure. I use that kind of
2: interchangeably. I like that quote, even even uh, mm-hmm. apply to like, just applying themselves to whatever they're doing, like yeah. reaching their full potential, because yeah. I feel like not everybody does yeah. at all. Oh and, yeah. It would be good if people did. Well, that's, that's that, that
1: readiness right too, because I mean, there's, you know, people are extremely good at making excuses, and I'm kind of I'm an extreme cynic, cynic people, that people are, 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 you know, crutching on their ancestry, ancestry and their bad, bad genetics, genetics to say that they can't, can't lose weight. I <laughs> really, really a cynic, cynic to kind of say, and you just haven't applied yourself yet. And you know, there's there's things that you can do to counteract whatever genetic you know downfall that you feel like it has corrupted you. So I I try to you know counteract that mindset. You know,
0: you know. for sure. Uh, that's awesome.
2: Yeah, it's kind of prioritizing their problems. Like, well, you want your problem to be being overweight or you can't move. You know, that's that's one option, or you can have your problems be. You know, getting your ass kicked in the gym for an hour. Yeah, but then maybe you won't have the, the other problem.
1: Pick and choose, yeah. It's I I wrote a piece on for Seven Magazine uh, for February and kinda of designed it around Valentine's and so it was entitled Love Yourself. And you know, you know, anytime that someone says to me I don't have enough time, all that I've interpreted as is, is I haven't made it a priority yet. So you know, for me, my 45-minute mobility routine and then my hour and a half workout that I do nearly every day—that's a priority. That's something I do every single day. That's for clarity of mind and, and for you know, you know, your ability to handle stress too. I mean, for me, it's such a stress reduc- reduction. You know, you know, it, I I I I view it as a necessity, right. like eating and drinking. You know, it's it's you know, it's my my movement that I do each day is. It's part of my, it's, I have it sectioned out in my day. Yep. Like it's there and it's dude, like you will not skip this. Like no matter what, hell or high water.
0: made more of that. I mean, yeah,
2: absolutely.
1: And it's funny because, you know, when I would leave Studio 16, I would, you know, they start asking me like, why, why are you leaving? Like, why, where are you going? Why can't you just work out here? And you know, for me, my, that's my meditation. Yeah. That is my meditation. When I, when I leave, you know. My headphones are on you know tuned in world out kind of thing and i'm zoned in for you know hour and a half two hours so what's on your headphones for warm-up podcast so 45 minutes is is mobility for the podcast whatever that one is for the day um and then as soon as i it's whatever that mood is and you know i could really insult people with what i listen to during my (laughs) workouts to tell you the truth it's i mean sometimes it's really heavy rock and sometimes it's you know classic hip-hop like whatever that is today it's really loud and really heavy yeah it's you know it's not like i'm listening to you know mozart or anything like that it's you know when i when i deadlift heavy i need something to you know i'm sure you've read the studies as to the psychological physical benefits of you know of sound
4: yeah i can't remember
1: this there was that study that you know where they fired up you know they had people like go ten percent above their Max one rep max for their bench press, and they fired a blank off right behind their head. And like, like all of them were able, you know, they talk about like these big like <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. So
3: that, that's your training <laughs> secret. Yeah. Really. Fire off, then we release a wild bear. <laughs> <it>.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you have to finish 10 reps at this weight before you get out of the gym.
0: Yeah, so
1: yeah, I've, I. I hold my workouts to a very high regard.
3: That's my me time. That's me being selfish. Yeah,
1: absolutely. And you know, I fell into a trap early on in my training because I wanted to be busy. I wanted to make money. I wanted to just, you know, volume, volume, volume. How many people can I see in a day? And there was a two month period about a year and a half into my training, which I accomplished it. You know, I was training fifty eight hours a week, fifty eight hours of clients a week. Wow. I hadn't worked out in two months. I was programming. I was working and sleeping when I could kind of thing, but I, there's, and then I've, you know, and this isn't, was it a Tim Ferriss podcast? I and mean, he you know, as, as I've gotten older, I've I've redefined luxury and luxury to me is feeling unrushed. And so that, that has really resonated with me because you know, now, like I, like, you know, for me at first I was just work, 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 work and I had no time to progress, to read, to apply. And now, you know, you know, I've toned down my training significantly, but the quality of what I'm able to apply to my my uh, clients is, you know, leaps and bounds more. And I and I don't, feeling unrushed, you know, in three, I have a three-hour pocket in the middle of my day where I can work out, eat comfortably, and read every single day. Every single day. That's yeah. true. Which I've created for myself, though. I mean, that's something I had to you know, I had to get rid of certain clients to kind of, you know, I said, this is me. This is, this is, this is nothing that you did, you know, <laughs> I, this is just what I need to do
2: for myself, so. Well, it probably prevents burnout at a certain pace. You probably can't sustain 58 hours.
1: And I've, I think I've definitely hit burnout. I'm, I'm actually fairly convinced that I, you know, hit that point where I was, it was just exhaustion. And uh, I, like, you know, you know, just cognitive cloudiness couldn't think, could articulate, like, I would, I would have that, that moment where I couldn't think of a word or a name, like, all the time, and I was, you know, drinking eight cups of coffee a day, like, just, like, you know, running on fumes, and I was like, no, this isn't health. This isn't
2: health, so. So, one of the questions is, what would you, what information would you tell your five years ago, or ten years ago, or whatever yeah. it was to you, your former self, uh, would that be? that you would try yourself or would it be something else.
1: Yeah that that it, more is not always better. I think that kinda of sums it up in in the realm of both training capacity. Um, so tra- me training clients and me training myself. You know for me at first one I just wanted to get big. I, I got to like 194 and I felt you know, I, I play soccer. I ride. You know, I, I you know I play volleyball. I like riding my, my road bike. I like I, there's a certain moving movements that I really enjoy. And I felt bulky. And I got my like, I got up to one night like I said, 193 points something or other. And and now I hover at like 177, 178, 180 give or take. And I could, but I just wanted to get big. So you know, and but and then you know that applying that more is not always better or more is, or less is more kind of thing. Um, and then that same applies for my training, for my individuals, you know. Just because I don't have a full day worth of clients doesn't mean I'm losing out on anything. I'm progressing somewhere else. So, um, I, I wish I could tell myself, you know, five years ago, and I've been out of college for five years, this May. And, you know, if I can go back to my, you know, my first year self into the training world, you know, tone it back, you know, give yourself the new time that you need. So mentally and physically, it's it's only going to benefit you in the long run. So
0: nice. You get them all. Yeah, I think, I, I think we pretty much hit everything. So kind of in closing, we're, we're gonna, anything you want to plug or where can people find you if they want to learn more about you?
1: So um, you can find me online on Facebook. It's it's just Harrison Pollock, personal trainer, nutrition coach, and I try to interact with people on a regular basis and give like you know little bits of insight. It's not anything. It's not like you know, you know, burn today, better tomorrow, or anything like you know. It's not like cliches. I try to avoid the cliches to the best of my ability. And actually, write you know some insight as to you know what the current research is and what I'm looking into and. You know, giving my feedback on certain things to the point where it's it's you know I you know I try to keep it engaging and you know minimally intrusive as like the cliche fitness professional. Um, so you can find me there. Um, I've kind of started on Instagram, but I won't worry about that. Um, mm-hmm. For the next couple of months I'll be at Studio 16, uh, but then I'll be transitioning to a new studio which is going to be on the north end of town, uh, Caledonia Street, and uh, there'll be more to come about the specifics on that. To come it'll be a boutique cycling studio, and I'll have my own training space there to run, you know, clinics and training and stuff like that to the point to where, you know, I'll still be able to operate training, uh, and then also, you know, you know, get into the cycling community as well. So, so there, there, I'm amidst a transition, but, you know, more to come on that, so awesome. I'll update that on my, my personal training page as well. So, Very cool. Right.
2: Pieces there. Thank you, Thanks, Harrison.
4: You're no, no problem.
0: Thank you for checking out this episode of Clinically Pressed. Go to clinicallypress.com for full show notes and links to everything that we covered in this episode. While you're there, you'll have full access to all our episodes, insights, and shorts. You can find Clinically Press on YouTube or any podcast outlet that you use. If you could give us a rating, thumbs up, or a review on how we we're doing, we would greatly appreciate it and heard it helps out quite a bit. To get more free content delivered straight to your inbox, sign up for the Total Athletic Therapy newsletter at totalathletictherapy.com or clinicallypress.com you get direct links to all the new clinically-pressed episodes, reviews on some of the latest research in health and performance, and links to related podcasts and other items meant to help you make the complicated, simple, and optimized performance. Thank you for listening, and see you next episode.